let there be light. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Life's a bummer. Last week we established that life can be a bummer, even the believer's life. We, excuse me, last week we found that there are times in our lives when we feel absolutely hopeless and helpless. However, we also learned last week that believers can experience God's comfort during life's tough times if we fulfill two conditions. And those conditions were found in Psalm Three. The first condition that we thoroughly examined last week was if we correctly evaluate our situation. If we correctly evaluate our situation, and we do so, we evaluate our situation by realizing our enemy's position, which is our enemies, life's tough times, they are everywhere. We need to evaluate and understand that that's the case. And we also do, do so by realizing our enemy's suspicion, which is they think that the Lord won't and can't deliver his own, which we found out last week is an absolute untruth. Our Lord delivers his own. He protects us. He sustains us. God comforts believers during life's tough times if we correctly evaluate our situation. Many times, however, we correctly evaluate our tough times, and yet our tough times continue. They may even get worse. What are we to do? Could it be that our tough time is not intended to be a burden, but a blessing? Maybe our response should be to acknowledge the blessing and to confidently accept God's solution. And this brings us to the other condition, the second condition. God comforts believers during life's tough times if we confidently accept his solution. Confidently accept God's solution. Would you pray with me? Father, we look again to you, asking that you would open our minds, open our understanding, open our eyes to see clearly what you are saying to us and allow us to have and cause us to have the response that will bring honor and glory and praise to you. Do that now for your people as we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all the people of God said, and amen. Look with me at Psalm 6, I'm sorry, Psalm 3, verse 6. 
God comforts believers if we confidently accept God's solution. And what is God's solution? Picking it up, verse 6. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. His solution is, don't fear the enemy. Don't fear the enemy. Once my wife and I were on a cruise, and one of the ports of call was Dominica. And as we left the ship, many of the merchants, the local merchants, they had this, uh, I guess you would call them these temporary shops that they would put up that were right across the street from the cruise ship. And so being adventurous, we decided, yeah, we'll pass them. We're going to go a little deeper into the merchant's area. We're going to go down where the locals live. And as we did, we noticed the area becoming more and more unsavory and menacing. After just a little bit, I told my wife, honey, no further, let's head back to the ship. I was afraid of enemies, the bad guys. Now, if you're honest, we all have such fears of the bad guys, the, the, the enemy, life's tough times. We all have fears of life's tough times, but... Okay. All right, we need to have a little sidebar here before I can before I can continue. Now, I know you know this already. In fact, Peter writing, he said, "I know you know this already, but I just want to remind you." So, I know you know this already, but I just want to remind you because I know you know how to respond and what to say because we discussed that last week. Let me appeal to you to HBO this morning. Everybody's ears perked up. Now, I'm not talking about the TV channel HBO, but I need you to HBO. I need you to help a brother out this morning. When I say but, Followed by a pause, you say, hallelujah for the but. Because after I give you some bad news, and I say, but, that means some good news is coming. So that deserves a hallelujah for the but, because that good news is coming. All right, we got it. So talk back to the preacher this morning. Help a brother out, please. All right, let me give you another chance. We're going to go back. We all have fears of life's tough times. Bad news. But, but David said in verse 6, I will not fear. Good news. And so the command to us is, when life's tough times have overtaken us, and the enemy is all about us, the command is, don't fear the enemy. Don't fear life's tough 
times. Doesn't that scripture testify in, in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love, from the, 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 the love of God? <clears throat> Excuse me. Does it not there also say we are more than conquerors? And it tells us there as well that our hope is in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, the word of God says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So don't fear the enemy. Don't fear life's tough times. But that's not all. This is just one part of God's solution for life's tough times. The second part is do trust. Do trust the Lord. Verse 7 and 8 read, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. David threw himself on the mercy of the Lord. He knew that his only hope was in Yahweh, Jehovah God. He asked God to make his enemies like wild animals whose teeth and jaw have been broken, broken by God himself. Did you know that the bite of a pit bull is 235 pounds of pressure. A Rottweiler is 328 pounds of pressure. And a Doberman Pinscher is a whopping 600 pounds of pressure. Yet neither one is so threatening and vicious if the jawbone and the teeth have been broken. They can do you no real harm. The fact of the matter is, their their bark is worse than their bite. You don't have to fear them. They can do you no harm. And saints, in the same way, neither do we have to fear our enemies and our tough times because their jawbones and teeth have been broken by God himself. Somebody can say amen. amen. Maybe you haven't been there. Maybe you haven't been in a situation when you knew that you weren't going to get out of it, but you got out of it anyway. That's because the tough time that you were in, God had already broken the jaw and the teeth. And we have to rejoice that he does that for us, but I, I go astray here. Let me, let me, let me get back. <clears throat> okay. All right, now be careful. I have to stay within a time limit. And something went wrong with that clock. It's, I'm serious. I looked up after I prayed and it said I'd use five minutes already. Are we in the twilight zone or what? But anyway. <clears throat> he threw himself, David did, on the mercy of God. Asking him to break the teeth and the jawbone of his enemies. In the same way that we don't have to fear the Rottweilers and the pit bulls and 
animals like that whose teeth and jawbones have been broken. Neither do we have to fear our tough times. One summer day some years ago, as I was finishing my 45-minute speed walk on a trail in a part of forest preserve, I was walking toward a lady who was on the trail as well with her dog on a leash. And as we pro approached each other on a path that was only about seven or eight feet wide, there was going to be no crossing over to the other side. This was going to be an up-close and personal encounter. And furthermore, to make matters worse, the lady was not even paying any attention to her dog. I don't remember what kind of dog it was, maybe a pit bull, Rottweiler. I don't remember. But I do remember that it was a big dog. No, did I say big? I meant to say it was a huge, gigantic dog. And I began thinking to myself, what am I going to do if he attacks me? Is there a stick around, something that I could use to defend myself? Is there a tree I could go climb to get away from him? As we drew near to each other, the dog growled, he barked, and lunged toward me. And I did what any brave, red-blooded person would do. I began to yell, ma'am, ma'am, your dog, your dog. And she tightened up on her leash, and she brought her dog under her complete control. What am I trying to say here? Saints, we don't have to fear our enemies. We don't have to fear tough times. The Lord has our tough times on a leash, and he is paying attention. He knows exactly what's going on. He has a firm grip on the leash of our tough times. And besides, he's already broken the teeth and the jawbone. And they can do us no real harm. Even if the Lord allows the tough times to bite us, to overwhelm us, he knows just how much we can bear. Our tough times are under his complete control. Somebody say amen. Our tough times are under his complete control. So trust him. Trust him in the midnight hour of despair when you lay on the bed of affliction. Trust him when your body is racked with pain, when you go through the valley of sorrow and death. Trust him when your marriage has gone south, when your kids have become rebellious and disrespectful. Trust him when you don't know how to manage your financial obligations, when you're surrounded by all kinds of tough times when no good outcome is in view, trust him and he will deliver you. Verse 8 says, from the Lord comes deliverance. So trust him. Oh, my brothers and sisters, are you going through some tough time today? Do you feel like you're being troubled and persecuted on every side? 
Do, do you feel like your situation is so tough that you can't even make it to tomorrow? Are you fearful about how your situation will work out? Understand that tough times are a part of life. But, hallelujah, for the but, but we have the assurance that God comforts believers during life's tough times if we correctly evaluate our situation and if we confidently accept God's solution. Let, let me try to pull together here last week's sermon and this week's sermon with something that we can practically grasp and hold on to. I remember like it was yesterday the time I was in the dentist chair, and that's not me, that's somebody else. But I remember just as it was, if it was like yesterday that I was in the dentist chair for nearly three hours. That's right, I said nearly three hours. And as I reflect on that ordeal, I see four ways that my experience in the dentist chair can instruct us on how to navigate life's tough times. First, I see faith. I went to my dentist because I had faith in his knowledge as a doctor of dental science and based on how he had treated me in the past. My brothers and sisters have faith in the Lord. He has knowledge about everything that's going on in your tough time right now. They have not, your tough times, have not caught him by surprise, and the Lord has not failed you in the past, and he is not going to fail you now. Those who hope in the Lord, those who have faith in the Lord will not be disappointed. Isaiah 49 and 23. Second, I see trust. Trust is faith in action. Trust is living and acting like you have faith. When my, my dentist said, open your mouth wide, and I saw that needle and injection coming towards me, my trust had to kick in. I knew that it would be painful initially, but not so much later. Saints, now is the time to act on your faith. It's time for your trust to kick in. I know your tough time is painful right now, but not so much later. The Lord is good to those who trust in him. Lamentations 3 and 25. Third, I see help. When my dentist was about to start that drilling, don't you hate that part? <laughs> he needed my help. He, he said, Bill, if you have any discomfort at all, raise your left hand. And I thought to myself, oh yeah, you got to have some help from me now, and as I moved my left hand into the ready position. <laughs> Midway through the procedure, my dentist needed some additional help, and he called in his assistant, and together they finished the procedure. 
saints, don't be a lone ranger. Don't try to navigate life's tough times alone. Life's tough times can be disconcerting, perplexing, and overwhelming, but, but you don't have to go through them alone. The Lord himself has said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And actually, in, in verse 6 of Hebrews 13, it says, He is your helper. So you know you got him there. But there are also many fellow believers, many members of Valley, Fox Valley Church, who are ready and willing and able to help you navigate your tough times. You just have to ask for help. Believers help one another. Fourth, patience. Suppose I decided after one or two hours that I'm out of here. You all, it's taking too long and it's hurting too much, so I'm gone. And I get up and walk out and leave the building. The work would not have been completed. Saints, my brothers and sisters, be patient. Hang in there. Don't give up. It may take a long time. You may experience much pain and discomfort, but now, if you want to be left in pain and discomfort and, and not come up with some good news after that bad news, that was very, very poor. Because it, it, I, I, I'm telling you about how his work Ultimately, when you're experiencing the, the pain and the discomfort, that's bad news. But don't you want some good news? So let's do it again. You may experience much pain and discomfort, but, but the Lord has you in your tough situation. That's good news. He has you there. He is working in you, and he must complete his work in you. So be patient. Wait on the Lord. Again, I say wait on the Lord. Psalm 27 and 14. Want to navigate life's tough times? Then exercise faith. Exercise trust. Exercise help and exercise patience. No matter how tough your situation is, remember, God comforts believers during life's tough times. If you correctly evaluate your situation and if you confidently accept God's solution. Amen? Amen. This is the end of the sermon, but I hope it's hallelujah for the but. Hallelujah indeed for the but. But Lord willing, I will be here next week with part three of Life's a Bummer. And we'll be picking up that study in Psalm 4. And for those of you who thought you were getting out early, I'm disappointing you. I'm not done yet.
I would be irresponsible and derelict in my duty as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ if I didn't bring a critical matter to your attention before we departed this morning. Please note that last week and this week, the sermons have been addressed to and about believers. We learned that God comforts believers during life's tough times. We learned that God sustains believers and that he protects believers, that he hears and answers the prayers of believers. Believers, believers, believers. So make no mistake, these promises of God are for believers, for those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly, God can and does comfort and protect and sustain those who have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me be clear. God is obligated to only do so for believers. Let me say that again. God is obligated to only do so, to only keep his promises that are made to and for believers. Some children may be at my house and I'm passing out allowances, but if they're not a part of my family, they don't get an allowance. And so the promises that we've been talking about, they are for believers. You must be born again. You must have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to have the assurance of these promises that we've been talking about. So the question becomes, are you a believer? I don't want to make the assumption that everybody here is a believer. And by the way, I, we say believer, but I, remember I say you must be born again. I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about your experience of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that you work on staff or you sing in the praise team or you teach a class, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How do you become a believer is the question. It's easy as ABC. Let me move ahead. ABC, if you want to become a believer. A, acknowledge. Acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner. Each one of us was born a sinner. No one has ever had to teach a newborn baby how to sin. I didn't have to do that with my three children nor my 12 grandchildren. We are sinners. The Bible affirms that. In Romans it says, there is none righteous. No, not one. And later on in chapter 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are a sinner. 
even if you're saved, you're just a sinner saved by grace. B, believe. Believe that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and was, was punished by Pilate, Pontius Pilate. Believe that he died a mean, cruel death on Calvary's cross, and he was buried in a dark, dreary tomb. The Son of the living God was dead. Satan and all of his boys began rejoicing. In fact, they began to party. The strobe lights were flashing. The music was playing loudly, and they were dancing. The Son of God was dead. And so they, they partied Friday into the night, and all day Saturday they partied. But early, let me go back and say this again, but, but early that Sunday morning, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, all of the music stopped. The strobe lights went out. There was no more dancing because Jesus Christ, he shattered the shackles of sin. He cut the chains of the grave, and he broke the bonds of death and was raised up from the dead to forever live. Believe that. Acknowledge, believe, call, and confess. Believe that this same Jesus died for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 is unambiguous. It gives us further instruction about this calling and confessing. Let me read it to you. It says here, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will become a Christ follower. For it is with your heart that you believe. And it's with your mouth that confession is made and you are saved and become a Christ follower. Confess, but also call. The Apostle Paul, just three verses later, he says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No if, ands, and buts. Shall be saved. And that's it. ABC. Acknowledge, believe, confess, and call. So the question again is, are you a believer? Are you a Christ follower? Another question is, when will you become a Christ follower? If not now, when?
If you want to become a Christ follower, I invite you to do so right now. With heads bowed, if you desire to become a believer, pray after me silently in your heart this sinner's prayer. Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross to pay the price for my sin. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and I call on you. I ask you right now to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. If you prayed this prayer, you are now a believer, a Christ follower, and I welcome you to the family of God. With all heads still bowed, maybe you've been a believer for a while, but you haven't been living for Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray and recommit your life to him, to live for him? The Apostle John, writing to Believers in 1 John says, if we, believers, confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess how you've not been living for him, and then with a clean slate, commit yourself to live for him. And finally, Lord, I pray for all of us who are caught up in one of life's bummers, that you would remember all of your promises and comfort them as I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.